Hello, I am fresh off of a little philanthropy side quest that I want to share with you. And it makes me really happy because I'm just so proud and moved by everyone's generosity. So there's a website that I've used in the past called Bill Wilson Adoption Center. It's based in Santa, Santa Clara. And during the holidays, they have this thing where you can sponsor a foster child. So they'll put their profiles on their website, list out the things they want, list out their sizes if they're asking for clothing, and you can select them and buy for them. And then you drop off the gifts in San Jose. The reason I started doing this is because I remember vividly when I was in foster care. The first Christmas when I entered, it was about a month after I entered foster care. I was already living in a foster home with a single woman who, at this point, I already started to not like her because she was fake and annoying in her own way. And I was convinced that she didn't care and we weren't going to do anything for Christmas. And I vividly remember waking up and trudging into the living room on Christmas Day. The lights were off. And as we make our way to the kitchen, I see this huge pile of stuff. I couldn't see what was under it because it was covered by a blanket. And I'm, I'm processing. I'm like, wait a second. What is this? Is this? And I look at her and I don't remember exactly her response, but basically she confirmed that was for us. And I was so shocked. I took off the blanket and started going through all these gifts. It was literally a pile of gifts, like a big pile. Half of the pile was mine. Half of the pile was my brother's. It was things like a glittery notebook. If I recall correctly, it was, you know, 15 years ago, <laughs> but, and, and other little things like girly things. Like I think there was a robe in there. And she explained to me, it wasn't her that gave these gifts, but there was someone she knew that she was talking to and she had heard about me being a foster youth. And so they just decided to sponsor me, to buy me a bunch of gifts for Christmas. And I was so shocked that she didn't want to reveal who she was. She didn't need to. I guess she just wanted to give me gifts. And she even wrote a card. It didn't say much. It just said, Dear Ariel, Merry Christmas. And again, I was just shocked that she knew my name. And just by hearing about me, she felt compelled and wanted to buy me a bunch of gifts. And I didn't understand it then, but I think what I was really shocked about was the humanity of people, just how much they could care for someone they didn't know. And it's that humanity that I want to extend to other foster youth, and that's why I do this. But unfortunately, my poor ass is unemployed right now. So I'm looking at this website thinking, there's no way I can do this. I just thought I would browse, you know, just take a look, entertain the idea, but I wasn't going to do it this year, which made me a little sad, but I just can't. But in the back of my head, I also had this genius idea that maybe I could ask my sister to come in on this with me so we could just split a kid, you know? So I'm browsing this site and I realize I have to search filter by available because a lot of the kids were already sponsored. It turns out part of that's because the deadline's coming up. The window at which you can start dropping off these gifts begins this Thursday. So we're already down to the last, you know, days. And I started to realize that because when I selected available, there were only like four profiles left. So I read through the profiles and I came down to two that I really liked. One was a kid, I believe he was 17 or 18, 18 I think. 
and he was working hard. He would work extra hours and overtime just to make sure he could pay rent. And I really admired that. But there was one other kid that I felt bad for even more. So his name is George. He's 21. And um, let me just pull it up. I'll just read it to you. It says, Client is enrolled in our program and has struggled for most of his life. He came to us broken and wanting a better life, but didn't know how to go about it. His lengthy history of being abused throughout his childhood and his parents not making school a priority at an early age did not make it any easier for him. But with hard work and dedication, he was able to earn his high school diploma while working full-time and is now enrolled in community college courses. George has dreams and has decided that no one will get in the way of what he knows he deserves. He's 21 years old. He's asking for an Amazon gift card and a Walmart gift card for essentials. That's what he needs. And what he wishes for is a laptop and AirPods or similar. Because George takes public transportation to and from school and work and home, and he lost his AirPods on the bus one night going home from work because he fell asleep. He also wishes for a laptop because he's been renting one from the public library and his time to return it is coming up. So the reason this one spoke to me especially was because the part where he had a lengthy history of being abused throughout his childhood and basically that set him back. It speaks to me now because as I learn about trauma and delve into CPTSD, I've started to really give credit to how much trauma can set you back. And that at a certain point, it's not realistic and not to mention not fair to expect someone to just pull himself up by the bootstraps and make up all the distance that he's lost by sheer hard work. Because that's not giving an accurate weight to just how pervasive trauma can be. And what I also like about him is he rented a public library's laptop. I didn't even know that was an option. And even if I did, in my head, I'd be like, ew, it's a public library laptop. Even I would be like, eh, are there viruses on it? How shitty is it? You know, I wouldn't want to do that. But he did it. And that tells me he's not only resourceful, but helping himself, humble and helping himself. And the fact that he asked for a Walmart gift card for essentials, like that's something I've asked for in the past too. So I just feel like he's being super genuine. So I wanted to sponsor George, but at the same time, that laptop thing is not a cheap thing. I have never given someone a laptop and I can't imagine gifting someone one because it's just such a big purchase. So I immediately thought I'll just buy him the small things, but then his story also talks about how he really needs one and I do think it'll be very helpful for him. So wouldn't it be crazy and cool if we could get him a laptop? So then I started thinking, who can I get in on this? I thought of my sister, and then I thought of my pole friends, but then I thought, my pole friends, eh, they're not really like that. So then I realized, oh shit, I have my CASA cohort, let me ask them. So I asked my CASA cohort, and two people responded. I created a group chat, and they asked, Ariel, tell me what you need, how to get it to you. I said, hold on, let me see if I can rally some more people. Because in my head, the more people, the better, the lower the cost is for all of us. Because I was thinking, I'm going to try to get us to not spend more than 100 bucks, which seemed fair, right? You know, donating 70 bucks seems like pretty generous already. 
especially considering this program is to help get kids, you know, what they want, really want. It's not there to spoil them. So in my head, 70 bucks from each one of us seemed about right. Meanwhile, I go around trying to rally a couple more people. I ask my old coworker, Ian, because I knew he was a Christian and he was involved in his church stuff. So I thought this might be something he'd be interested in doing. He gets back to me and says, let me talk to my wife, but this definitely sounds like something we'd be interested in doing. And that was so nice. I said, thank you so much for just entertaining the idea. Because I also didn't want them to feel guilty if they said no. Because I know for most of my life, I would have said no to these things. And then I asked my sister as well. She immediately said yes. And then I go to my brother and I ask him for help on picking a laptop. I tell him it's just a college kid. He probably doesn't need something super powerful. What would you recommend? He sends me back a link from Best Buy. It was a laptop that was originally $400 down to $200. He told me why he chose it. And then I went back to my group chat. I asked them, so how should we do this? Should I just buy everything and you guys Venmo me payment? Or would you like to buy some things and ship it to me? You know, partake in the shopping. That's what I would want to do. I want to feel like it's, I'm part of the fun. And they just offered up money. Una just goes, Ariel, how much do you need? I can Venmo you 250 And I'm like, holy shit, Una, that's way too much. I do not need that. That's fine. That's more than enough. Let me just tally up how much I actually need from you. And she goes, Ariel, just use the extra for a gift card. I know he has other things he wants too. And then the other guy, Ovase, he offers up, I can do 100 And I'm just like, you guys, why don't you let me do the math first? I might only need 50 bucks from you. But that's what I thought was so amazing. They just offered up money. And I returned back saying, hey, I'm thinking of writing a card. Do you guys want to sign it? And Una was just like, no, it's fine. You can sign it. I'm just happy to participate. It's just so egoless if you think about it. Because they are asking for absolutely zero recognition. Not only zero recognition, but zero involvement. They don't need to be a part of it, which I would argue is also part of what I get out of this, you know, the experience of helping, the emotional upliftment, all of that that I get from living out the process of buying the gifts, putting it together, writing a card, thinking about how he's going to feel and dropping the gifts off in person, all of that, I'm getting stuff out of it too, but stuff like that, they don't even need. They're just happy to know they can Venmo me 250 bucks. So that was already like, wow, you guys are amazing. It really made me happy. And so by now, I have enough money to buy the laptop. I bought the laptop. And I bought the AirPods too. And at this point, Ian responds back and says, asks me if I want him to buy it or just pay money. And I told him I bought the two items already. So if you did want to buy stuff, it would be down to the gift cards. And he asks how much I recommend. I told him I would personally do 50 bucks, which is also, to be honest, plenty now because we've already gotten him his two huge items. He says he and his wife are happy to help and help sponsor the kid. He'll do the 50 bucks Amazon gift card. He's going to get it tomorrow and I'm going to pick it up from him this week. And I'm just continue to be shocked and a little uncomfortable by how shocked I am. You know, I'm just so caught off that how generous these people are. It not only makes me feel good about me, you know, people say do good to feel good, but it makes me feel good about the world because of the other people in it. 
And if we go back to the part that I mentioned where he was one of the few people left left on the list, isn't that kind of sad if you think about it? When you realize that they're left on the list because no one chose them. But that's sad, isn't it? Someone must have asked him what he wanted so that they could put these specifics on the website. So at some level, he must know that he's getting put on some Christmas list. Can you just imagine how sad it would be to put yourself out there for a Christmas list and come back knowing that no one selected you? I feel like that's a level of rejection that would be very painful and heartbreaking. Now, I don't know if that's actually what happens. I don't know if they ever find out, but I would speculate that they would because, like I said, someone had to ask them and tip them off that they were going to be put on a list. And so I'm glad that I could help take George off that list. And my goal in the future is to continue doing this through law school and beyond. And hopefully when I'm rich enough, my goal can be that every child gets taken off that list. But as I think of scaling this up, I'm also starting to, you know, have little light bulbs go off because think about it. Look what I did. I was basically fundraising for this kid, calling up people and seeing who would help get in on this with me so I could advocate for his needs. Part of me was patting my own back like, damn, look at me. I could be good at this. This could be something because I am a salesperson. I could be a good fundraiser. So it's just opened some more doors in my mind of possibilities of what I could do, how I can make this bigger and bigger. Maybe down the line, I don't just call individuals. I start to call organizations. I call rich people. That could be something really interesting for me to do. This leads me to my thesis for today, which is I feel like everyone needs to find one thing that they can have a bleeding heart for. So for me, it's foster youth. I get all like, you know, white nighty and emotional about how much I want to save these kids and help these kids. And I would not say it's out of ego. It sounds like it based on the words I'm using. It's more out of that mama bear feeling. You know, there's I'm tapping into that protectiveness of wanting to advocate and help the defenseless. And The whole cause is a kind of cause that I can intertwine deeply with emotionally. So it gives me plenty of room to feel, tears to shed for how much I want to help them, how hard their life has been, and how much I care about helping to improve it. What I'm saying is it's the perfect medium for you to work out your emotional muscle. And I feel like everyone needs to have that because we talk about emotions. If you think about emotions and your emotional aspect as kind of like your physical aspect, you need to exercise your muscles. I think you need to exercise your emotions so that you're constantly in touch with them. So that helps you with your self-awareness, but it also helps you exercise just a part of being human. You know, when you're too not in touch with your emotions, it's not that they go away. You just don't, you bottle them up and they're going to come out eventually. And that's when you end up blowing up and having either big rage or a big cry. So to constantly always have them alongside you by exercising that through philanthropy or some sort of cause you care about, it's like keeping the enemy near you so it never gets too big that you can't handle. 
And I'm using the word enemy with the assumption that we're talking about someone who doesn't do this, someone who doesn't like to be in touch with their emotions. And the beauty about this, though, is while it gives you a way to work out your emotions, it does so in a way that takes the spotlight off of you. Because the other way to be emotional is to be vulnerable. And to be vulnerable is all about you. You opening up about your emotions, your feelings, your stories, things like that. And if that's too much for you, and it very much can be, this is a great way for you to let that out in a different direction, in a direction that helps other people. So it's very productive. So it gives you the same like going through the motions, but on a different topic. So you get to exercise your emotions in an adjacent way. And the reason I say that is I don't have scientific background for this, but I really do think that it's healthy for you to really feel things sometimes. Feel things with passion, feel things with care, hurt to a little bit because you care so much. Not just because philosophically that's part of being human, but really because of what I think are the health benefits that I described earlier. I imagine this might be something parents feel about having kids, but I'm not sure. I don't have kids. I probably won't have kids. But if that's the case, then, you know, I'm basically saying the same thing except for people who don't have kids. And the reason I say this too is I contrast that with the picture of someone who doesn't have something like this, someone who works all the time and focuses on their own goals and lives a very rational life because that's how you get ahead in corporate now. Over time, you just become a little callous and disconnected with the world. And I really do think that'll come back in ways to bite you sooner or later. It's like the way a boxing ring is a place to train your boxing. Philanthropy or activism is a place for you to train your ability to be emotional. I hope that made sense. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.